You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, joining me today, barring the number four on the defense and another guy playing at the outside linebacker position here, the one, the only, David Reese. David, how's life been treating you so far, man? Hey, life's been good. Just grinding, you know, getting the body right, getting this spring football. Can't complain, really. That's right, man. Phase three underway here with Billy Napier. And I asked this question to Summerall a few weeks ago, and I want to ask you this, too. Phase one, phase two, what was that like for you folks? Um, Phase one was a – phase one, I, I would say, was a was a, 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 a guy. But phase two was that real kick to go down – this what it is. We working. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like phase two, really the identity phase. It was really, I mean, what it's, what it is, our identity phase to see who wanted, who willing to work, who willing to do what it takes to keep going and get to that next level. I hear that, man. I hear that. Uh, there were some guys uh, that transferred out at the linebackers position this year. Uh, Muhammad Diabate, Tyron Hopper, uh, did you ever get a chance to talk to some of those guys and get where their minds were before, uh, I guess, with the new coaching staff and when they were here? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I never really, you know, when it comes to uh, decisions like that, I never really try to, you know, um, address people when it comes to their personal decision. I just kind of, yeah. you know, support them and feel me. If they need anything, I'm always there for them. You know, like uh, just because they, they left, I mean, it's still a brotherhood. You know, I don't have no hard feelings towards anybody or any uh, anyone for making a decision they felt like would best suit them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like they both made the best decision possible for them in the position that they were in. And, I mean, I don't have no problem with it. I, I, I pray success and good things for both of them in their careers, and I hope to one day see them at the top. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, especially me, man. I, I love Tyron. I remember when Tyron Hopper committed to the University of Florida. I went and watched a couple of his games. I said, man, this guy can fly. <laughs> Straight out fly. Yeah, really. So uh, I was kind of upset when he transferred, but, I, you know, you still got to understand. It's it's a kid's life, and that's what they want to do with their, their, you know, further their college career. It was it's definitely ha- upsetting, but everybody make the best decisions for themselves. Yeah, the unfortunate part about being a fan, but you know, you got to understand coming from their standpoint, whatever their reason was, they made the best decision for themselves. And we mm-hmm. as adults also make the best decisions for ourselves in life, whether it's hard or easy, we still got to make them regardless. Anyway, before we start, I just want to go ahead and say thank you for joining me today. And, uh, you know, you're, yes, no, sir. you're no slouch to, uh, you know, what sacrifices are. A lot of you football players, y'all make sacrifices on the field, not just you know, mentally going to school, football, juggling, you know, if you work part-time or if you don't work part-time, you juggle a lot, but you also make physical sacrifices. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're no stranger to that. Having to sit out in 2019 due to an Achilles injury, uh, coming back in 2020, playing five games, and then another injury taken gets told there. First off, I just wanted to ask, um, how's recovery been and uh, how antsy are you to get back there on the football field? Uh, recovery has been good. You know, at first, you know, when, when these events happened to me, I was really down and upset and really, um, looking for guidance on, you know, stuff, uh, for why stuff like this happened to me. But, you know, as life has moved on and I've progressed in life, you know, I really am thankful for, um, everything that's happened to me from my Achilles to my, um, to my, uh, to, uh, my other injury that kept me out. 
you know, I mean, it's really a blessing to be able to learn from those experiences. And really, it, it gave me time to mature and, and, and better myself as a as a person, as a, a brother, as a teammate, as a human being. It just really gave me time to reflect on myself and, you know, bring myself up in other areas that needed that I needed to be brought up in. And as far as getting back on the field, um, all I could do is just say, all I could say is um, that I'm ready. That I'm good. really ready. I like to hear that. Now there's David Reese flying around out there on the field <laughs> at number four. <laughs> Another one. Um, how has that, though? I, I did ask you this on the Gator Collective space. How has that helped your uh, skills just as, like, a vocal leader in the locker room? Um, I, I feel like it's a big part of um, the team as far as myself. I feel like I can walk up to anybody on the team and have a conversation with them. You know, I can I can relate I can relate to multiple people on the team. I can just be involved with people from all types of backgrounds, from all different places. And I truly feel like um that's like a blessing. Cause you know, like everybody don't come from a everybody don't come from a vocal background. Uh being vocal is not everybody's strong suit. Conversating is not everybody's strong suit. Being interactive with other people is just not everybody's strong suit. So I'm just thankful for having that instilled in me and being able to communicate with people. Yeah, absolutely. And have you noticed uh, with the new coaching staff that more people are starting to kind of be, you know, they talk about phase two, Billy Napier's talk about phase two, teaching leadership, teaching a lot of other things. Have you noticed a lot of other people kind of, you know, trying to be leaders and, and, and talk to kids and talk to, I guess, their teammates and whether it's, you know, one thing or the other, have you noticed that just a little bit more communication between everybody? Yes, sir. Uh, Coach Napier, he really he preaches the the aspect of team by saying not I but we, not you but us, and that really it is it, really um, being shown with people just you know coming together for the common goal of winning and just everybody wanting to be on one page is just pursue greatness and just all come together and just be like a, a real team. Like, cause I mean, when 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 you got teammates who really feel like they plan for their brother that's how you win and that's how you become great. Not just, Oh, that's my teammate. Like you got to really see your teammate as your brother and somebody that you literally willing to lay all on the line for between them white lines. Yeah. I've heard a couple of kids say that, you know, a lot of people were playing as individuals last year. And now you're saying now it's more of like a team. Everybody's playing together as a team and, and, and and probably, sir. There's probably a lot more cohesion now, especially defensively, you, you know, as we talk about, you know, the new defensive scheme, we'll get into that. But as far as just from a mental standpoint from phase two, uh, more of the guys are trying to get together. So, you know, understand the plays and there's less confusion back there. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, you were originally recruited by Jim McElwain, I, I'm assuming, back in July of 2017 when you commit. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out for Jim McElwain. In comes Dan Mullen. You build the relationship with him and some of the staff. Uh, first off, let me ask you, uh, what was it like building that relationship with Jim McElwain? Then in comes Dan Mullen, building that relationship. And then in comes Billy Napier. Just take me through what that whole process was like. Is Was it, um, was it hard for you to like switch relationships with coaches like that uh, from a I guess from, you know, from McIlwain to Mullen to Billy Napier? Well, when I first started getting recruited uh, by Coach McIlwain, uh, he was a real transparent, caring. Um, he looked out for me, my family, 
you know, every time I came to Florida, it was like a fam, like it felt like a real family. And with my brother previously being at Mississippi State and me being up there, you know, interacting with him, being around like the team and stuff sometimes, I kind of already knew Coach Mullen and we had already had a relationship because I, I used to go to the uh, the big dog camp and he had, uh, he gave, uh, he offered me already. So when, when that transition from McElwain to uh, Coach Mullen happened, it wasn't necessarily new because I was already like familiar with the faces around the, uh, around the facility. But um, from Coach Mullen to Coach Napier, I mean, it was kind of the same because, I mean, back in high school, I transferred my senior year, which, I mean, is for most kids a, a big year when it comes to sports. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I just never really – like, I see, I see people for people. I don't necessarily look deep into the, oh, a new head coach, a new – like, I mean, obviously a new leader, but, I mean – I mean, when you get into the real world, you can have a boss one day and the next day they fired. You just have to, I yeah. mean, come together. I mean, obviously, everybody had the opportunity to leave or stay, but, I mean, I really believe in Coach Napier and what he brings to the table and his vision for this team and his program. Yeah, have you um, noticed, like, different personality-wise? And it doesn't have to be anything bad. Is it just, you know, McIlwain, Mullen, um, Billy Napier, just personality-wise, uh, have you noticed any kind of big differences between any of the three? Um, I would say, uh, I mean, Coach McIlwain, he had a great personality for the times we interacted. You know, I, I never forget those times. Coach Mullen, he, I mean, he was a good, he was a good guy. Um, his personality wasn't it wasn't Coach Napier's in the way that um, Coach Napier he just I don't know like. You might be in a locker room one day and he just pop in and just we having a we having a conversation about just some something in life or just joking around like and I mean that's like it's something I'm not used to, not saying anything bad about Coach Mullen. That just wasn't it just wasn't him. But I mean Coach Napier, he's the type of coach who will come in the locker room, you know, mess around with the guys, talk, you know, just be interactive. Yeah, so he's more of like a I guess a trans he kind of he's kind of more transparent with all the other the kids would you say like he'll he'll come and see a lot of the kids not even talk football and just kind of mess around or whatever am i correct yes sir so has, yes, sir. He, has any of your family got to meet the new coaching staff uh new coaches yeah my 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 um my whole my whole family we had a, a parent day and um my whole family came up my aunties my mom my cousins uh and it was a great time, you know. I, I'm I'm really appreciative of them hosting that event and um, allowing for people's families to come in. And um, I'm really appreciative of for them hosting that event and allowing for people's families to come in and uh, interact with new coaches, staff, and see. Because I mean, I'm away from home, and I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but I know my mama. She she laid it all in line for her son, so it was just good for everybody to be able to come and see like. The, who the, who their who their kids are going to be interacting with, who's going to be looking after their kids while they're away from home. So I'm just really grateful for that uh, opportunity for them to meet the new coaching staff. Yeah, it seems like so we get to see just what's on the outside, uh, what what's floating mm -hmm. around there on Twitter of all the families that come and visit the University of Florida. And it seems like the consensus across the board is, you know, everybody, from what I know, when the family members come and visit with some recruits, they love Billy Napier from, from what they say. Yes, sir. So, um, you know, obviously, you when you first met Billy Napier, you got to meet him. And I remember him saying one thing when he came in is you have to build that trust with the players. 
And uh, trust doesn't build overnight. We all know that so so far. Albeit though, it's April. It's it's only been I guess what four months since he's been there. Uh, how's the trust built with Napier and the uh, new coaching staff so far? Um, I feel like it's building very well. I mean, they're doing all the all the things that need to be done to show that they are trustworthy without kind of just doing it to do it. If you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously yeah. they're new coaching staff, so them saying that they they have to earn our trust, they could come in and say, yeah, we need to earn your trust, but do everything to, everything that would make us say, oh, yeah, I trust them. Not challenge us by earning our trust, if that makes sense. Right, right. Like, if you, if like, you know, like, like not, not just an easy walk to say, oh, you got my trust. Like, they still make, like, they, they making us, they making us earn their trust, but they're also not making it an easy route to earn their trust or gain their trust. Right. And they're putting forth the effort. Like we talk about the parking tickets, the, you know, the better, mm-hmm. I guess the better yeah, like catering. Doing, doing like the little stuff like that, that really makes a difference outside of football to, sh- to show like, okay, like I'm really for you guys. Like I want y'all to be successful. I want this program to be successful. Like taking that, taking that extra stress off and just handling some, something so little, but also so big was just a, a a great first step in showing that like he's really about his word. Now, as far as like off the field stuff goes, say without school, say nothing school related, nothing football related, do they, uh, can you come to any of those coaches and just explain any kind of issues you have maybe outside of school maybe outside of football? I definitely feel like, um, with any of them, really. I mean, obviously, I would probably go to my position coach or Coach Napier. But, I mean, I feel like any 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 coach on this staff would help, uh, help a player with off-the-field issues, family issues, whatever it may be. Because I feel like, I mean, everybody everybody don't come from the same place, but everybody done been through some of the same things. So, I feel right. like uh, with our new coaching staff, like everybody on the coaching staff, like, we can all relate to we can all relate to something together, and I really feel like they care about us a lot outside of football. Good, that's good to hear, especially from I guess you would call me a fan from a fan's perspective. It, it makes me feel good that you guys are taken care of, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, you don't you don't I guess with other coaching staffs they do di- things differently, but you always want, especially a team that you cheer for, to have the coaching staff knowing that they're taking care of the players even outside of the football field. So that's really good to hear, man. Um, I asked this question to Summerall last week, and I want to ask you as well. Brenton Cox, 8.5 sacks last year. Coming into the year, he's he said he's going to have a sack every down. I remember his press conference, he said that. And I like that attitude, by the way. <laughs> uh, what's mm-hmm. it like learning from someone like Cox, and how much have you learned from him just in your overall game? I mean, he's definitely uh, taught, me, taught me some different things, considering that I haven't uh, played in the last few years. Um, him being a player that uh, he he was a very impactful player for us uh, last season. Um, you know, I learned a couple things from him. You know, I do I um I do a lot on my own. I I watch a lot of film on my own, study different players and stuff like that. But he's definitely a competitor. He brings it every day. You know, he um he's somebody that that you you want to consider yourself running with. Like you want to compare yourself to. Okay, what's Brenton doing? Like how hard is Brenton going? Like I want to be. I want to be on point because, like you said, I mean, he's trying to get the sack record. But at the end of the day, we all trying to make plays and we all trying to beat that sack record. 
So, I mean, you know, it's just good competition. It's a good player to, you know, have on your spot. I would definitely rather him be on our team than the opposing team. But he's definitely a player that, you know, he, bring, he brings it to the table and he definitely is a hard worker. Yeah, 8.5 sacks on a bad foot. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yes, sir. You're obviously on the defensive side of the ball. Um, has there been any guys on offense to you that stood out, maybe, uh, you know, that maybe makes it tough for you there on the defense? Um, I mean, I feel like the offense as a, as a whole, um, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, we all work hard. We all, you know, everybody has their days where, Somebody might be the top dog. Somebody might be struggling a little bit on, on any given day. So I don't necessarily want to say that uh, it's a lot of people that stood out. I mean, everybody, I feel like everybody on the offense working. And I know it's a lot of people that's making plays. So, you know, I feel like everybody on offense really doing their thing right now. That's what you like to hear, though. You like to hear that everybody's making plays because then you know everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's doing their job. So that's, that's a good thing to hear. Yeah. Uh, you don't... I guess, I mean, it, it's okay to have somebody that stands out or something like that, but really, if everybody's making a play, then you know you're in good hands. <laughs> so Definitely, we're in a good spot. Right. Um, Jay Bateman, uh, in his press conference, he emphasized a weakness on the defense that he had talked about when he came into the program, and it was tackling. Uh, just last year, mm-hmm. I, I ran the numbers on Pro Football Focus. Uh, Florida had a total of 132 missed tackles. Now, it wasn't the last in the SEC. There were there were worse teams in the SEC. Uh, how much has Tony and Bateman, you know, emphasized tackling this spring, and what are some of the different things they may have taught you to help you out in that part of the game? Um, uh, Coach PT and our whole staff, they emphasized tackling a, a big. We, uh, we actually do a tackling circuit um, oh. every day, and – you know, it's not just a lackadaisical, you know, running through the drills. You know, they put an emphasis on tackling, you know, proper head, uh, proper head side, you know, wrap and roll, squeeze, just all the aspects of making a good form tackle. And also when you might not be in the right position to make a, a, a profile tackle, but you can still get them to the ground. So I feel like they, they put a big emphasis on that and they, 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 Mm, what's the word? Not forced, but they they let it be. They 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 make it known that that's a big part of this game, and in, in order to be successful, that's something that we're going to have to do. Yeah, they kind of just drill it into your head every day. Hey, tackling, tackling, tackling. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I get that. Uh, and it's not a knock on any of the last staff that maybe you've you've been coached under. Is it has that changed? You know, like how how much has the tackling drills changed from like maybe the last staff? Uh, I don't think it changed at all. Really, you know, it's just. I mean, I feel like with a with a new vision and just a new team, it brings like a new kind of energy. You know, if you know what I mean. Like, right. Not saying that any. Not saying anything about the last staff, but just with a new team, you know, new program new vision, new, just a new everything. It just brings that new energy that, you know, tackling, tackling, tackling. Like, that's what we're going to have to do in order to make up for last season. And Summerall told me a couple weeks ago that everybody now is getting reps and not just, um, you know, maybe some of the first and second team guys. Everybody's playing against everybody. Is that is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I think I think that's also something that's that's big, too, you know, uh, obviously, right now, like it's not season, so we don't have a scout team or anything like that. But just everybody collectively getting reps and getting better, I feel like it's 
what could take a uh, take a program to the next level when you don't have guys just sitting on the sideline, coming to practice, not doing anything the whole time, really, just because they're like a three or a four or whatever their depth chart position may be. I feel like getting everybody involved and getting getting the weakest link to become stronger every day is what can push us over the edge and take us to the top. That's right. You can't get any better if you ain't practicing, right? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we talk about NIL a lot and how it's changed the game and how NIL and the Gator Collective, uh, how has the NIL and how has Gator Collective maybe have helped you and maybe some of the guys around you? Um, I know uh, with me personally, um, I haven't really been on the field. So like a lot of people, they don't really know David Reese other than just the name David Reese. There's another David Reese other than the last David Reese. So, you know, I, I wanted to join to really, you know, get my uh, get my face out there, you know, interact with people, you know, because, I mean, I, I, I remember growing up and being that little kid that always wanted to be around, like, meet a football player one day or just meet somebody that I looked up to and and be able to do it and, and, and do it the right way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Not, um, oh, like, because, you know, you got people who, like, they see you out and they just like all down your throat, like trying to ask you a hundred thousand questions or you could just be standing in line trying to get a piece of pizza or something. Yeah. So I feel like this is an opportunity for like to meet and greet and just be interactive with people who want to know, you know, and, and it, and it's being done the right way. I feel like, so that's why, you know, I chose to, I chose to interact with the Gator collective and the whole staff and stuff like that. And I know for other uh, other players on the team, the NIL, uh, that NIL thing is it's been really big. You know, so so many players, you know, they, their name is always being tossed around. You know, in the loop and stuff, and being able to um, benefit and profit off that, I feel like is it's only fair. Yeah, and that's what drew me into the Gator Collective. I remember when it first started, I wasn't. I, w- I didn't know how much of a big fan I was going to be of that. I was like, ah, I don't know if that's going to mm-hmm. work. And I, I, I kept saying this, that, and the other. And then finally when I started seeing it come together and then y'all started, they started hosting these Gator Collective spaces. And I reached out to Eddie and I reached out to Jen and I was like, man, this is really different. What you guys got going on is different. I like it, you know. And you get to learn yeah, a definitely. Lot. And I think the normal fan doesn't know a lot of situations, what the players go through. And I think it's cool that with the Gator Collective and what they're doing, the typical fan gets to know more about the player and understands them more. And it also helps them respect them a lot more as well to where, and you know, they don't tweet mean tweets about players if they, you know, if a play doesn't go their way or something. I, I think the transparency the collective brings overall with the fan base is pretty cool. Yes, sir. I mean, because I know it's it's big for me to be known uh, known as David Reese and not just David Reese, the football player. Right. You know, I want I want people to know who I am as a person. You know what I stand for. Um, you know, I don't never want nobody to be scared to come up to me and speak or just feel me. I mean, I'm always the type of guy. I never um, I never shy away from having a conversation. You know, I'm just always trying to connect with people and understand people and just you know shit. Uh, present light on, you know, you never know what somebody could be going through, you know, and me being going through a lot, you know, I could say to, I could say somebody, we could be having a conversation. I could say one thing that might change their life forever. So you just never really know. So I'm really big on interacting with people and just getting to know people and having people getting to know me better. 
That's right. And you have one of the best names out of the book, David. That's why that's why I like it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, man. I'm going to ask you a couple rapid-fire questions here. Uh, there's a lot of guys who cover the beat. Uh, I mentioned one to you before we started, uh, Nick Delatore, one of my favorite guys uh, here at the University mm-hmm. of Florida. Uh, do you have a favorite guy or a favorite girl that covers the beat, University of Florida? Um, I actually, I don't know everybody, so um, I, I, I really can't answer that. Okay. I, I know Nick, Nick's name sounds familiar, but I, I've never, I, I can't remember meeting him face-to-face, so I wouldn't really know. So for that question, I don't know. He's usually the goofy guy with the hat, and, and he's going to kill me when I say that. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you another uh, question I asked Summerall the last time I was on. Uh, what do you do, uh, you, you know, we want to learn more about David Reese, the person. What do you do outside of football and outside of school for fun? I mean, what's your favorite hobbies? Um, I love being I love I love playing a game. I I love to play Call of Duty, Madden. I love watching TV shows and movies, but um I also love to do like outdoor stuff. I love to like ride jet skis. I like to go golfing, I like to go hunting. Uh I like being outdoors really. Really outdoors and spending time with my family, you can never go wrong when it comes to me. You know, um, being that I don't get to um, be around my family as much before I get, came to college. Yeah. So, you know, every time I get a chance to, you know, spend time with family or on the water, just enjoying life, really, you know, life is so precious and it's it's just a blessing to be alive. So I just try to appreciate every moment of it. Yeah, you definitely got to appreciate the moments you get with your family because you never know that when they're not going to be around anymore. And I, I'm a testament to that with my dad. So <laughs> I understand definitely. that 100%, man. Um, favorite restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant in Gainesville, man? Uh, probably Yamato's. Okay, yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen it. I've never been inside of there. I don't, I'm in Woodstock, Georgia, so it's about a 400-mile drive for me. So every now and then when I get down there, I try to see new places. But what's it called again? It's called Yamato's. It's like a hibachi Japanese steakhouse. I'm going to have to check that place out, man. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I usually get the um, the chef special. The chef special? Yeah, so I see my, yeah, my wife good. loves hibachi, so I might have to take her there. So that's that's a good one. Yeah, I'll have to I, remember that. Uh, last but not least, man, um, I've gotten this general consensus among the players, and I, I actually I love to ask this question every time I get a player on. Who's the fastest guy on the team? Or who do you think's the fastest guy? Um, probably, uh, DeMarcus Bowman. DeMarcus Bowman. That, that seems to be the consensus, man. <laughs> Every time I, yeah. I either hear Justin Shorter yeah. or DeMarcus Bowman each time. Yeah, yeah it, w- it would be out of those two. Yeah. Those two. Or, or Xavier Henderson. He's, he's really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm actually pumped for that wide receiver spot, that wide receiver position this year too, with, uh, you know, Xavier Henderson, Justin Shorter, Dejon Reynolds, some of the guys we got coming you know, in as freshman, you know, Burke, one of the guys that came in last year as a freshman. Uh, really excited mm-hmm. for that position. I'm also excited for your position, uh, you know, the Jack. They call that the Jack position now under this now new staff, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, I heard yes, somebody sir. tell me it's called the Jack position. So, I, you know, I can't wait to see you hopefully on the field this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brenton Cox, all you guys, man, I hope you guys light it up. I hope you all set the sack records there. <laughs> I hope Brenton Cox sets it. <laughs> yes, sir. Then you set it. Then the guy behind you sets it. So I hope the best for you guys, man. And David, thank you for coming on uh, the Getting Swamp podcast with me, learning a little bit more about you. Is there anything else you got to say out there to Gator Nation, man? Uh, can't wait to see y'all in the swamp. 
I'll be there. I'll be there. Spring game, man. I'll be there. Uh, I'll, I'll try to sit up front, but uh, I can't guarantee that because that place gets pretty packed before uh, when they allow people yeah. at 6 o'clock. So <laughs> I'll definitely be down Definitely. there tailgating, though, cheering you guys on. No, no doubt. All right, David, thank you for joining me on Getting Swamp, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, that was David Reese there. Another kid playing at that outside linebacker slash jack position. Uh, real good insight, man, uh, to what he's went through as far as injuries, coaching changes, and uh, just being mentally focused and mentally tough through it all. I mean, really strong-minded, determined, focused uh, on his career here at the University of Florida. Maybe one day we'll see him in the NFL. Uh, really funny kid, too, by the way. Uh, we talked before the podcast. He loves his Call of Duty like I used to back in the day, but uh, nonetheless... Great guy, good family man, and I hope for nothing but success for him in his football career and in life. So, spring scrimmages are fired up here at the University of Florida, and William Piegler, Kerry Colbert, and Jay Bateman had some interesting things to say this week, and we will recap that on the second part of Getting Swamped. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream, or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout-out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign, too, with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout-out on Twitter, at WS Wood Carving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Wood Carving. Top-of-the-line signs made from scratch. College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. When I got here, everyone told me that I had one of the better rooms, and I think they're right. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about this group of guys. Getting Ventrell and Yeah, I mean, I think they've played a lot of football, right? They're fifth-year seniors. They understand. And by the time the season starts, they'll both be graduates of Florida, so they're obviously really bright kids. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching Amari Bernie. It's like coaching like a 30-year-old, you know, guy in the NFL, right? So I mean, like he's, 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 he's a dream to coach. So I'm, I'm excited about those two guys. You know, actually, I figured it out like a weekend of the job, you know, and it's like, hey, look, I mean, Ventura Miller's played a lot of football. He comes to every meeting. He's at every walkthrough. And the, and the number one thing is to graduate. Right. So he's got to graduate. And so I think um, it's been great. He's been at every Saturday. We, we play better when he's there on Saturday. So uh, it, it's helped us. But it's really helped us get Scooby extra reps and get Derek extra reps. How is he as a leader? Uh, elite. He's an alpha male. Everyone told me that when I got here. The first time I met him, I realized it. And I think I think his energy, I think the level he plays at, I think it infects everybody else. All right. That was Jay Bateman talking to the media this past week. And, uh, folks, he's not lying. <laughs> Linebacker spot. It's a very, 
very talented and still even pretty deep when I ran the numbers on overall recruiting and transfer portal guys along with Juco guys. And this isn't even counting Mohamed Abate and Tyron Hopper who transferred out Tyron Hopper, a top 100 linebacker. Mohamed Abate, top 150, almost top 100 linebacker as well. I mean, they're still stacked talent-wise at that position. This isn't even counting Ventral Miller in this, you know, a veteran coming back for it seems like a sixth or seventh year. And no, that's not me trying to make fun. It's, it, it, it sucks having to go through injury, and I understand that. But, uh, you know, Ventral Miller, a very key guy in stopping the run there and plugging the run up on every SEC team. Really, really elite run-stopping skills there from Ventral Miller. So when I ran the numbers, Florida still ranks fourth in the SEC after losing Tyron Hopper and Muhammad Diabate with an overall talent profile of 92.63. Remember how I went a couple podcasts ago? I said if you're in that 92 range average-wise with average player ranking at every position, you can compete with just about every team in the country. And this, like I said, it's not even counting Ventral Miller. Right now, they're right below Georgia, Alabama, and LSU with overall linebacker talent. So still pretty deep, and we, we talk about the talent. Let me throw some names out there for you. Brent Cox, former five-star coming back for his redshirt senior year. David Reese, the guy we just talked to, who was a former four-star player in high school who has yet to even you know, see a lot of play on the field, but a guy with a ton of potential. Antoine Powell, top 150 kid. Lloyd Summerall, top 250 kid who stepped up and made plays in his little time. Remember the, uh, the Oklahoma game where he got his first sack that we talked about a couple weeks ago? Five-star Derek Wingo from St. Thomas Aquinas. Dewan Black, top 50 linebacker overall in his player ranking. Scooby Williams, top 100 guy from Alabama. Mari Bernie, another guy Jay Bateman raves about. And this isn't even including the incoming guys from high school, like five-star Shamar James. So just, just many toys for the staff at inside linebacker and outside linebacker. And we're finally getting to see them practice, get those much-needed reps, and get the practice reps. So, man, we're just really excited for this linebacker group in 2022. Jay Bateman also talks about a guy I just mentioned up here above and a very big fan favorite amongst all of the Florida Gator fans, Dewan Black. So, I mean, I think, I think he's really got DB skills, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I think he really has the skill set to go play star or go play in the se- secondary. But he's, you know, he's, he was up as high as 230. He's probably not quite that right now you know, with, with, with the amount of reps he's been taking. But he's really long. He's got long arms. You know, um, you know, so I think he's got a lot of skills, and I think he's a really, really good pass rusher. So I think there's a, absolutely a role for him, and it's just every, I tell him every day, you know, you've got to continue every day, every practice to increase the, what we feel comfortable with you doing and knowing. And I think as that happens, he's going to play more. How, how hungry a guy is he? Oh, I think path? I think all those guys are hungry, but I'm. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, he's had an interesting you know turn of events, you know. So, no, I think he's very hungry, and I think he understands this. This is a chance for him to be successful. When you look at a guy like him, how does how does he get moved around from room to room? Because he's had the opportunity to move some other places. When did you guys make the definitive thing that for spring at least he's going to be in your group? I, you know, and I think when we got here, that we were pretty confident that's what he was. You know, we haven't really moved him at all. You know, so yeah, I don't know what happened in the past, but since I've been here, he's played well linebacker and done a good job. I mean, I, I think we I've got a room full of good players that can all play. So I, I feel very comfortable with the depth. Obviously, you want to. You want to have every soldier in the fight, right? So I think that's that's our goal is to try to get all of them ready to to, to battle, and I think they will. You know, so I'm I'm I think our room's going to be great. Yeah, you know, we got a great freshman coming. You know, Shamar James who's really talented, who's been awesome. You know, with the, my conversations with him, so I think that room is going to be a strength for us. What have you been most pleased about with your group? You know, I I I think the thing I've been most pleased with isn't just my group, but our players. Like, 
I've been really impressed with how our players have worked and how they've bought in to, to what we're asking them to do. And I, and I, I just think I come to, you know, I walk off the practice field every, you know, this is practice 10 and just say, wow, you know, like the, these guys are grinding, like they are, they are attacking the process. And I, and I think that's what, that's what impressed me the most, to be honest with you. Like one thing that you're really honing in on with your group? Yeah, I think it's tackling. I, th- I think you know when I when I when I got here and, and, and ran all the PFFs and looked at all the plays they had they had played in their career, you know that was something that jumped out at me. You know, I, I think if you play linebacker in, in college football nowadays, like you you have to be a, an elite tackler. And, uh, and and the great thing is we actually practice in such a way that we're able to work on that craft, which is unique. So uh, yeah, I think that's the one thing that I've. I'm hanging my hat on. We got to get better at. There you heard it. Dewan Black getting a lot of praise there from Jay Bateman talks about his versatility. And look, versatility is a very, very good problem to have, especially with an athlete as versatile and as long as Dewan Black. He also mentions what we talked about earlier in the podcast, tackling 132 total missed tackles by Florida last year. And Florida's main rival in the SEC, Georgia, you want to know how many tackles they missed last year? 86, and they played for the SEC championship, played in a playoff game and a national championship game as well, and still managed to have about 50 more less missed tackles than Florida did with extra games. So uh, tackling is definitely something that needs to be stressed and worked on here at the University of Florida. I mean, Florida did not have one season under 100 missed tackles under Todd Grantham and the defensive staff. 2018, 113 missed tackles. 2019, 137 missed tackles. 2020, 151 missed tackles. 2021, 132 missed tackles. Not going to cut it here at the University of Florida, and it's not going to win you a lot of games when you're missing tackles at that kind of a high rate. So, moving on from that position, Kerry Colbert also took to the media this past week. Coach, Jeremy Graham, how's he come along in his transition from defense back to wide receiver? He's been doing pretty good. Uh, he's working hard, you know, trying to get adjusted to the playbook and, and just being on offense, obviously, uh, being a defensive player uh, a year ago. But he's working hard every day and, and uh, trying to do all the little things right. And uh, we're excited to have him on this side of the ball. What are the fundamentals that uh, have been the yeah, I mean, you know, he's an athlete. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, play both ways in high school or really their entire life, you know. So, um, yes, you know, he's been in the defensive back room and backpedaling and stuff. But, you know, you got natural good athletes like like Finley. Um, they can kind of transition over, and, and it's just like riding a bike. You know, once they get over there, they kind of get back into the groove of, of running routes. And, and uh, like I said, he's, he's been doing a good job adjusting. Was he sort of in your ring when you showed up, or were you having those conversations about – no, he wasn't actually. When I first got here, um, he was in the defensive back room. But uh, jokingly, he would kind of like tell me that, hey, I played offense in high school and I, you know, I can return. So, um, And then next thing I know, a couple weeks later, it might have been a month or so, whenever it was, um, you know, we actually really started talking about making the move and the transition. And, uh, you know, so he's been, he's been a joy to have in the room. And, and uh, you know, I'm excited uh, for what he's been doing. There you go. Finley Graham, a guy I've personally been waiting on to see from an overall athlete perspective. And I, and I think this guy could be the key and uh, possibly the wild card for this receiver core. You know, after losing Copeland to the portal, he really didn't he really didn't have some sort of threat at wide receiver back there. And I think Finley Graham could be that guy. And look, 
Florida didn't really have a deep threat anyway last year. Not a sure-handed receiver back there. Uh, you, you can kind of blame quarterback play a little bit, but I personally think our only deep threat was Justin Shorter. And, you know, he's gotten open before. We've seen him make plays, but can he be more consistent in catching the football? Copeland, he had his moments in his offense, but there was, wasn't that threat like you had before with Pitts and Tony, those type of guys. Uh, you really didn't see that last year. Uh, can Finley Graham be that threat teams have to worry about to possibly even open up the backfield there for more of these receivers like Dejon Reynolds, like Trent Whittemore, like Justin Shorter? Those guys are going to have to step up in some sort of way. So, uh, you know, especially, you know, right now with that, that tight end position, you know, the way that it is. So, you know, really excited to see what Fenley Graham can do for this offense. Kerry Kobler also had a few things to say about Trent Whittemore. He's been he's been doing awesome the last couple of days, um, you know, making his plays. And um, obviously, you know, he's a, a very uh, smart player. He works very hard. You know, he's very well respected by his teammates. Um, it's great to get him back out there. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm excited for for him and, and uh, you know, everything he is. But, you know, he's 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 another one that just kind of comes out here every single day. And he he's excited to be out here. He loves to play football. And and, uh, you know, we're excited to have him out there, you know, going. All right, Trent Whittemore, a guy who we've seen flashes from, and I think the biggest play I remember from him was kind of an overthrown pass by Kyle Trask against South Carolina, and Whittemore just goes up there and snags that baby out of the air, man. That, that's one of the plays that just really resonates in my mind when I think about Whittemore, but, uh, you know, I also think about, you know, he got pretty open in the UCF bowl game, you know, that I know Florida fans don't like to talk about. Uh, trust me, I don't want to talk about it till 2024 when we play them again. But I believe Woodamore got open two or three times, wide open for touchdowns, and all of them were overthrown. But, you know, that's on the quarterback. That's not on Woodamore. So really promising plays that we've seen from Trent Woodamore, and I'm curious to see how he's going to fit in this new system that Billy Napier's installing with Kerry Colbert and all the other wide receiver staffs. But Colbert also was asked about a five-star receiver by the name of Justin Shorter. You know, that guy works his tail off, I'll tell you that. Um you know, and he's every single day, every single play. Sometimes I got to like kind of slow him down and and, and get him to kind of like take a little off, you know what I mean, of his body as far as like on off day and, and stuff like that because he always wants to go. He always, he's always trying to get better, which is a good thing. Um, but no, he's 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 been a joy to, to, to be around and to coach because it means something to him. And, and, you know, I think he's very excited about the opportunity that he has this year. And, and um, I'm excited to be working with him. How's arm? <laughs> I have not seen the arm, but well, shoot. We need to get her out in some of these drills and kind of help my arm out a little bit. So what's Justin like as a competitor? Oh, he's he's very yeah he's very intense. You know, um, like I said, it means something to him. So you know, he wants to compete. He wants to dominate. He wants to make his play. Um, you know, and he wants to he wants to be out there. You know, when it's when it means something. So um, you know, he's he's very intense. And, uh, you know, like I said, man, I'm excited to, to be working with him. And, you know, you always want guys like that on your team for sure. There you have it. Justin Shorter, you know, a guy who really needs to step up in this offense at wide receiver. And don't get me wrong, Shorter's made plays. He's gotten open for touchdowns. We've seen explosive plays from Justin Shorter. So he, he has the ability. We just need to see it on a more consistent basis. Plus, this is money year for him. NFL's going to be calling soon, man. Can he push his name up in the drift? Can he live up to that five-star billing. Like I said, he has every ability to do so. Uh, we've seen it. It just needs to be more consistent. And I think the new wide receiver coaches we do have on staff can put him in position to increase the consistency there. I mean, Justin Shorter, six foot five, 228 pounds, big-bodied receiver, fast. Uh, you, you hear it from all the players. They say, you know, 
Demarcus Bowman, he's a burner. He's the fastest guy on the team. But then you hear it from everybody else, man. Justin Shorter, second fastest guy on the team, if that. So he has the ability. It's all there. He's just got to put it together more on a consistent basis. So William Pegler also took to the media this past week as well. Yeah, I think it's been pretty smooth sailing. You know, obviously, I think there's some things probably publicly out there, but, you know, it is what it is. It's football. You're going to have some guys get nicked up, and, but I've been proud of the guys that we have and the guys that have stepped over and made plays for us. How much is that all? Just the number situation there well, the good news for us is even though we've had some injuries and things of that nature, we've been able to get other guys from the other side of the ball. It might not be the exact guy that we wanted in that spot, but we've been able to still have the same type of practice and all that stuff throughout spring ball. So not too limited? Not too limited. What have you seen from Keon so far? I've seen Keon. I thought he had his best day of the spring today. I've seen him get incrementally a little bit better. You know, I think – Anytime you're in a new system, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but I really like the way he attacked today. I thought today was his best day. What did, what did you talk to him coming into spring just about what you want to work on with his game? Yeah, I think the number one thing in his game is just continuing to improve overall. You know, I think there's this narrative out there that he's only a receiving tight end, but he's actually got a little power in his hips and things like that, and he can really move people off the ball, but he's got to continue to get better at that. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you asked Coach Napier, we're about 60-40, 11 personnel versus 12 personnel. And I think uh, I think we're going to try to use the tight ends in a lot of different ways. You know, obviously with some of the situations that have happened this spring, we probably haven't been able to open it up as much as we'd like. But it's definitely a place for us to throw the football to the tight ends and also use them in the run game to create those shot plays that we're looking for. There you go. Tight ends coach William Piegler talking about the attrition at tight end and even talking about a guy who a lot of Gator fans have been clamoring for ever since he came to the University of Florida. Keon Zipper, a guy who was the number one tight end in the state of Florida in the 2019 class and the number two tight end overall in that class as well. Coming in from Lakeland High School, look, if you're the number one tight end in the state of Florida, especially in the division that Lakeland plays in, you're playing against some pretty elite and fantastic players. So, now with the injuries and possibly getting Elksness back by the fall, it's going to be pretty much the Keon Zipperer show from here on out. I mean, you heard Peegler say he had his best day at practice. You also heard Napier praise Dante Zanders as well. But look, man, they're going to rely on Zipperer heavily now at that tight end position. Can Zipperer stay healthy? Can he also live up to that high school billing? Uh, you know, you also heard Peegler talk about using the tight ends to step up and blocking scenarios to open up people in the offense as well. I mean, you know, when I ran the numbers compared to the last half, Billy Napier used his tight ends in blocking situations 13.8% more than the last staff here at the University of Florida. And in overall snaps at his time at Louisiana Lafayette, he used the tight ends in blocking scenarios 66.3% of the time. So these guys are going to have to learn how to block as well. Oh, I've been above and beyond pleased with Dante. I think Dante's got a real chance to help us in the, in the fall. That's a permanent switch? I think so. And then what did you see from Nick, uh, you know, yeah, you know, the number one thing with Nick is the effort that Nick plays with. Nick practices really, really hard. And I thought, again, asking him to block somebody, the Sierra defender, I thought he improved drastically at that. And unfortunately, I thought he'd had his best day previous to the day he got injured. And then same thing with Odom. What did he kind of show you before his surgery? Yeah, you know, I, if I was to say anybody in the room, Odom's probably the most intelligent football-wise. You can tell he's been around the longest and things of that nature. And, you know, and on the point, Sierra blocker, I think he's done a good job. And he actually made some plays vertically down the field and actually had, I think, like a 35-40 yarder one day in practice. So, again, we're going to challenge people vertically because if you try to put guys in a box and say, hey, this guy only runs stick routes, then what's the defense going to say? He only runs stick routes. We're going to challenge people over the top, and, you know, we're going to do a good job with that. 
you heard it. Tons of praise for Dante Xanders, man. Uh, that's about the second or third guy that we've heard some good praise about Dante Xanders in that group. And you also heard him say that it could be a permanent position switch there for Mr. Xanders there. I, I would assume with the, the injuries right there tied in, uh, possibly that could be, you know, mainly a, a main point for him as, as spring goes on. And, and obviously we go into the season. Not sure what else this is going to look like by the fall, but at least we know from some of the experts, Sports Illustrated guys and all that, that Elksness could be ready by the fall. You also heard him say they're going to challenge people over the top. Also saying Elksness had his best day before getting injured and Odom being the most intelligent of the group. So some really good stuff there by William Piegler. And you can catch all the pressers from this past week on Gator Vision, which is on the FloridaGators.com website. So Billy Napier also took to the media just yesterday, and he talks about some pretty interesting things here as well. You know, I thought both sides of the ball did a lot of good things today. Um, you know, I do think that we had a few too many undisciplined penalties today. That's probably the main takeaway. You know, I think overall, last week we played, you know, 120 plays, I think, and we had two penalties this week. You know, we were way up there. You know, I'm not exactly how many we, we had, but too many for my liking, right? Um, I do think we took care of the ball pretty good, and then we played really well. Got a lot of situational football done today. Got out of there healthy, which is always a positive. Um, but overall, general message here, need more consistency across the bar board, uh, both sides and certainly in the kicking game as well. But, you know, overall, the, the energy is good. The effort's good. Um, you know, I like the physicality. I think we need better execution, and then we need to make better decisions uh, at the point of contact and, and post-whistle when it comes to discipline. So, you know, I think when you, uh, in life sometimes, um, learning as we go here, if we do the things that are easy, your life is hard, right? You know, and if, if we can do the hard things on a consistent basis, embrace the work, decide that we want to be a little bit different. I think life gets easier. I think we all probably could agree on that. Um, we got some work to do here, but really proud of this group of people. Hey, Bill, you mentioned the penalties. What do you think was the root of that today? Was that to be expected, or would you hope that that would be a little bit better at this point in the spring? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that uh, I was pleasantly surprised last week that we played relatively clean football, you know. Um, maybe it was in we're, in we're in the stadium for the first time. I don't know what the case may be. But there's no excuse, right? Um, they're all technical. They're all relative to coaching. You know, and that's what I told the players. I said, that's a reflection of me. I got to do a better job for you guys as the coach. And, um, you know, we'll work hard at it and get it fixed. There you go. You heard it. Undisciplined penalties. And trust me, we all know about the penalties, especially last year. Florida was ranked 119th in the nation in penalties per game, averaging 7.8 penalties per game. Ouch. <laughs> Everybody remembers the false starts. You know, guys not lining up right. Guys jumping before the play is called. Uh, really glad Billy Napier is emphasizing penalties this much and the rest of the coaching staff is emphasizing missed tackles, which was such a dagger and a killer for us last year. I mean, the two main things I stressed all over last year, penalties, missed tackles. I mean, huge, just huge. Uh, he also said they got out of there healthy, which is a very positive sign, and that's what you like to hear at any practice. And I also like the fact that Billy Napier said that he has to do a better job as well for putting them in positions to be successful. So not only talking about the player's execution, but the uh, the coach's execution as well. 
what did you want to emphasize in today's scrimmage and, and how do you feel like the team took to that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think uh, overall, you know, we want to go execute our formula, right, in terms of how we win games. You know, I think we, we say own the ball, attack the ball, right? So turnover margin obviously is the most significant statistic relative to playing winning football. Um, we want to be situation experts, right, relative to the down and distance, the field zone, the clock. Uh, we want to master our craft, which is all about techniques and fundamentals. And then we want to be aggressive in all three phases and the collective effort of all three phases uh, being an issue for the other team. And then we want to finish, right? We talk about legendary finish, um, and that's finishing plays, that's finishing possessions, and ultimately it's finishing the game, right? So, you know, it doesn't change. You know, that formula's work for us. It's uh, typically when you go back and look at a competition, it comes down to the basic things. We got to do the simple things well, uh, and that's what I see. You know, I think we need to improve. I like what he said. Be aggressive in all three phases of the game. Offense, defense, special teams. We all know how the defense was being played under Todd Grantham. And it was actually really poor. And honestly, it really can't get any worse. I mean, Florida, in four years under Todd Grantham, averaged giving up 24 points per game. Not really too good or too bad, but it's still not the Florida Gator standard of the defenses that Florida's known for. I mean, let's be honest. Offensively, I'll say, Florida did extremely well under Dan Mullen and the coaching staff, averaging 32.4 points per game. That's really actually good. Who knows how the offense will look under Billy Napier. We'll just find out April 14th at the spring game there. Special teams. I'm not even going to get into those statistics just based off the fact that we all have eyes. We see it. Uh, Special teams was almost non-existent under the last half, and, and that's what helps you pull out a victory in a close game. Good special teams play helps you pull out those close victories. Uh, just ask Texas A&M last year when they played Alabama. I also like the fact that Billy Napier didn't just say finish. He said legendary finish. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the first way you win is you don't beat yourself, right? And you, uh, you completely control the things that have nothing to do with the opponent, right? So, you know, we're talking about undisciplined penalties. We're talking about taking care of the ball. We're talking about mental errors. Uh, from a coaching perspective, we're talking about positioning the players to have success, being a really sound concept, making sure that when we watch the tape that we have the answers to the test, right? So um, that's where you start, you know, when you're building a football team. Uh, we've always taken great pride in not giving the other team anything, right? They've got to earn every single thing that they get, right? And, uh, you know, when you talk about penalties, typically – um, you're going to have some technical fouls in a game, you know, but the undisciplined ones you want to eliminate completely, right? And, and we had too many today, right? So, um, you know, our goal is to play and have – we want to we be under one penalty in every 30 plays, right? So um, – and I can proudly say that typically in the past we've done that. You know, is our team ready to play that brand of football? No, right? But we don't play tomorrow, right? We don't play this week. We got time, so uh, we're we're in the process of uh, working hard on that, and that's my job as a coach. Uh, he hits the nail on the head right here, man. You can't beat yourself. We saw it a lot last year, and I'm not going to harp on that again. Uh, you know, he also says he wants to have under one penalty every 30 plays. Sheesh, <laughs> that's something we haven't seen here at all in a long time. And I'm not even harping on the last staff. I mean, it, you can go staffs before. I mean, how many – I don't even think I can think of uh, a game that we had one penalty 
or under one penalty every 30 plays. That's, woo, that's called discipline right there. And that's, I mean, Billy Napier means business about these penalties, <laughs> you know, but he, he does make a good point. When you do all of this and you play disciplined play, you do make the team earn everything that they get. I mean, look at 2020. We had a national championship offense. A little bit of discipline would have sent the Florida to the promised land, and Dan Mullen might still have his job. Uh, how many games did we light teams up on offense on that side of the football, and then you'd see guys just lined up wrong, confused, shoes thrown, costing us a game, and then allowing that player to be the captain the next game and come back out there the next play just after doing that, and the coach saying, well, I never saw the shoe being thrown. And like, like, come on now. That's just lazing a cop out. But you're definitely not going to get that with Billy Napier and his staff. Uh, love what Billy had to say here. Billy, I know you'll need time to go over the film to, to look at decision-making with the quarterbacks, but in terms of accuracy, how are they today, especially given the, the wind? Yeah, it was windy today. Um, you know, overall, uh, I didn't think it was bad. You know, I mean, I think sometimes we always evaluate the quarterback and, you know, if the ball's moving and we're scoring, we think the quarterback's doing great, right? When in reality, a lot of times, uh, quarterback play is dependent on the players around him, right? I think we're still pursuing a point in time here where everybody knows what to do. They're aligned correctly. They do it with the right fundamentals and techniques. There's great communication. There's great uh, execution, you know, at every position around the quarterback. Uh, and right now, you know, we're a mixture of lineups each and every period. Um, but I, I wasn't necessarily disappointed with the quarterbacks today. I thought we did a lot of good things. I think that um, we need depth, you know, and I think sometimes when there's a drop off around the, the player, sometimes that can affect the player. So we're going to evaluate the decision making of the quarterback, right, the accuracy of the quarterback, and then the, ultimately the execution of the play, right? And. We'll learn more, but overall, nothing glaring that, that I'm disappointed with. Another question has been the wide receiver position as far as getting consistent, getting people open. Mm -hmm. And are you seeing the separation, for example, in the passing game with the receivers? Are they getting open consistently? Yeah, I think we have, you know, I think we have a, a group of players that I think can play winning football, if that makes sense. Uh, there's a handful of players in that room that I think we could run out there and we could depend on those guys. They can do their job. They can play winning football for Florida. We need more. Does that make sense? Uh, but I, I do think overall I think we've got some guys that can execute and do their job. Now, how many? You know, I think that's where we're at. You know, how many guys? I think that's really they're a reflection of the entire team, right? I think the team as a whole lacks depth. Uh, we need more players that can do their job consistently and play winning football, right? Um, we, we, the receiver position is much like every position on our team, right? We, we got a good group of ones we can run out there. We got a couple twos that, I w that we would put in the game, and then after that, um, I think we, we've got improvement. Um, we need improvement. All right, there you go. Quarterback play sounds like it may not be as bad as we think here, folks. Uh, you know, but you also heard him say a lot of quarterback play is, is more about the players around them. So, you know, I agree 100%. You got to execute on both sides of the field. Receiver, tight end, quarterback, you know, they all got to be collaborative. And that's how you execute a good offense. Uh, you know, can they execute? Can they get lined up correctly? 
Um, you know, he did say he wasn't disappointed with the quarterback play, so I guess that's something good to hear, especially going into the spring game next week. So, uh, you know, he also had some great things to say about the receivers, and he said that he had a handful of guys that he could get, you know, could get open and play. But, you know, on both accounts, he did say depth was an issue, which goes back to what we said last week about hitting the portal hard, talking about depth. Uh, will be interesting to see where Napier kind of tries to fix depth issues here in the portal, especially after the spring. What are your um, just impressions on interior defensive line depth then, you know, as it stands? Yeah, I think we've got some players that can play effective, you know, football. You know, I think I would answer the question the same way I just answered the receiver question. You know, I think we can run a pretty good group of ones out there. And we have some twos that, you know, we could roll in there and play. We need more depth, right? We need more players. So, um but I'm, I think we have capable players. Does that make sense? I think there's some there are some redeeming qualities, right? There's height, length, there's athleticism, there's power, and I think it's more about learning what to do, how to do it, and doing it more consistently. You know, being loyal, being dependable, and accountable, right? Playing, winning football. You can do your job for the team every single time, right? You know, I think. Reality is, as we get closer to the game, okay, if we get to put 11 out there every play, right, okay, and, and to run between the lines for the Florida Gators, you have to be dependable and accountable, and you got to be consistent. Everybody understand? Okay, so, you know, it, there, it is a privilege to represent the University of Florida and run between the lines and play. We get to put 11 out there at a time. We need more uh, players to make progress and get in that group. Does that make sense? We've got a lot of players that I trust and we will put out there, uh, but we've got a lot of work to do to create depth and uh, add more players to that list. Once again, man, depth, uh, not just that defensive line, defensive tackle, but everywhere else. I mean, that's that's not discounting that the players aren't good or can't do their job. It's just the harsh reality, man, uh, when you look at it. I mean, the last half – didn't recruit on the level Florida should be recruiting on. There's no surprise there. And, and, and it, it, this is where quality depth comes into play. I mean, uh, Florida, you know, I will say it's been pretty lucky in the past few years. This has come to injuries, man. Um, but that's why you recruit elite quality depth. I mean, in teams like Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, just a few names out there. I could throw Texas A&M out there now. Can afford to lose guys because they recruited at a high level. One five-star gets hurt, another top 100 or five-star comes in to take their place. I mean, we saw it in the LSU game last year. They were decimated with injuries, guys leaving for the NFL early, going into the portal, and they were still able to run the counterplay down our throats and score 49 on our starters because they recruited at a high level. Um, Billy, speaking of building a football team, I want to ask you about NIL. Um, you've talked about that you're in the talent acquisition business, but in talking to Marcus yesterday, it seems like you're also – about to be in the talent retention business. Um, you know, players, it seems like in the past, used to transfer because they were upset, playing time or something was wrong. Now we could be in a, in a world where guys leave schools where there's nothing wrong with where they're at, but they get an NIL deal to go somewhere else for 100000 How do you manage that, deal with that, and, and how's that landscape going to kind of change sports? Yeah, no, I think there's there's a ton of variables here, right, relative to the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness. Um, you know, and I, and I believe that it's our job to equip the players, okay, and it's our job to educate the players, 
uh, and it's our job to use any and all resources that we have to help the players, right? So, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily there, – there's pros and cons of this, right? You know, 98% of the players in college football, 99%, heck, they're not going to play in National Football League, okay? So uh, – and this is a explosive – entertainment business that we're a part of reality right but so there, there's a lot of positives about a guy who comes to the university of florida he's a starter he's a significant contributor i mean the amount of time effort and energy that these guys put into what doing what they do right to represent this place uh, being a loyal teammate the physical work the mental work the time um I think it's positive that these guys can benefit from that, right? But I do think that we've got to be careful here uh, that we're not making short-term decisions, you know, I think that may affect their future. There's got to be uh, – it's, it's part of the decision, but it's not all of the decision, right? I mean, you come to the University of Florida, you make a decision to come here, you, you're going to attend the top five public university – all right, you're going to have an alumni network that's 415,000 strong that is, you know, can position you for success uh, that you can network with that will really, the more people I talk to, the more that we realize that, that they're going to benefit from that the rest of their lives, right? Uh, you talk about the Hawkins Center, the resources that we provide there to be competitive as a student combined with the Gator Made program, which is all about life after football. It's about a holistic approach. It's about leadership development, character education. It's about um, creating experiences for the player uh, so that their perspective changes on life, their approach changes while they're a student. You know, We wanna have a place where we're using football and football is not using them. Does that make sense? Um, and I think NIL is another part uh, of our organization is one that we need to have a very specific plan, right? Um, and there's no question that it's part of the competition now, right? It's part of the package, right? It's part of the decision-making process. So I don't think it should be the, the sole reason that a young man chooses a school. You know, I think there's got to be something about, you know, being on a team, uh, the passion for the game, um, and the experiences and the people that you'll meet along the way, right? So we're fortunate and we have an incredible product to sell here. And I'll say it again, I think NIL is going to be a strength for the University of Florida, right? To go along with all these other things that I just talked about. We play in the SEC. Uh, we play the most competitive conference in all of football. Um, and if you can do it here, you can do it anywhere, right? So uh, again, uh, I think it's going to be a strength for the University of Florida. Really good stuff there about NIL from Billy Napier. And I like the fact that he said NIL has a lot to offer, but so does the university in itself. Talking about kids coming to Florida and having that experience in football, in school, the campus, but also being very pro-NIL as well. So Billy, you know, talking about checking all the boxes as far as overall experience of the parents, of the players, and NIL, looking after the kids' future. And I think with all of that rolled into one, I think a lot of kids, especially in this recruiting cycle, are starting to see this. And you can tell by some of the recruiting buzz and speaking 
of Recruiting Buzz Spring Game, April 14th, next week, Thursday. Tons of elite recruits lined up for that event. Tons of media, including myself, will be down there supporting the team. So if you're down there, I might catch you at Spurrier's or maybe somewhere on the North Lawn or maybe just a random tailgate. (laughs) Should be fun, though. Should be fun, folks. But that'll wrap it up for this episode of Getting Swamped. And special shout-out there to David Rees for stopping in and talking with me. And another special shout-out to all you folks who have listened thus far and the folks growing on the YouTube channel out there as well. Gators Reddit, Gator Facebook, Gator Twitter. Just all the support from all you folks. I can't say enough how much I appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen to Getting Swapped and also sharing it with your friends and family. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Getting Swamped on my personal Twitter or at Swamp Podcast on Twitter as well. You can also search for Getting Swamped on YouTube if you prefer that platform. And you can go to the website, www.gettingswamp.com for all your latest statistics and podcasts. But folks, that'll do it for this episode of Getting Swapped, your latest in football statistics, special guest, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.